Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of That Roundup Podcast. Scott, what number is it? 20. Episode 20, the big 2-0. We made it to double-double digits. Um, and yeah, Buddy shakes his head. He's like, no. Well, so like, I'm in and out shout out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Mike. We have Scott, Gavin, and a, uh, our guest, Buddy Hammond. I'm not going to be on this episode. I have to hop off. But first, the quick update. You may have seen uh, in Facebook or LinkedIn or just heard from some people. Um, yes, I did leave Spikeball Inc. Um, I'm good. Just looking for something new. No role right now, but actively looking. You want to hook your boy up? Anything in the e-commerce space? Uh, hit me up on uh, Mike White underscore Roundnet. But what you really care about is that my involvement with the community will not stop. Lefty on two is still going. That Roundnet podcast, Mike White still going. Commentary still going. So nothing really changed as far as you know. Just my day-to-day work is a little different. I appreciate all the supportive messages I've uh, gotten. And I uh, look forward to just keep doing round that stuff. That's and the it. whole crowd clapping and Beautiful. Beautiful. Oscar. So uh, without any further ado, welcome to that <laughs> round of podcast, episode 20. <laughs> i'm gonna be honest i got a little giggle bug going on right now i don't know what it is but <laughs> god thank god that guy's gone what a stick in the mud. <laughs> uh, you said it i didn't okay no what but a seriously. total what a total stick in the mud <laughs> All right. That's so I don't know, dude. I, th- here's what I'm saying. All, all, no, all I'm going to say is I hop on to do a podcast with all of you. And Mike's like, yeah, you know, I can't stick around for the whole thing. Is he? I think he's on his way out from everything in the community. It's yeah, he's, he's a pretty done. telltale sign. He's yeah, I think he's Be fair. He said he was hey. put in. And then we said that you were coming on the podcast. And he was like, uh, you know what? Work me. I, yeah. Hey. I have that. I have that effect on people. <laughs> but like, we totally let, should. Let, let's go on a series because it's been a long time since we've actually spoken, buddy. Right. I think. Like yep. the last time we spoke was like episode three, which feels such a long time ago. And to think months. of how much has changed since then, we're halfway through the season. You've been to I, Europe, you've been traveling, you've been playing in tournaments, winning tournaments. Oh, we're losing tournaments too. Let's be fair and humble, right? But if so- I had if I had a conversation with Buddy Hammond, who did episode three, I don't even know if I would recognize who that guy is. That's how long it's been. Wow. That big statement. Wow. So elaborate. What's it's mainly because my hair grown out. My mustache is a little thicker, <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Same guy, just looks a little bit different. A year older, now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you had your birthday. Yeah, just about. I feel. I feel like. I feel. I guess so. Yeah, I am officially thirty years old. Woo. Um, and I do not to get everyone too fired up. The Mountain Town Spike Down, which is in Southern California, Jarrett Rouse and myself are going to be competing as the first team to try to win as 30 year olds. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. That'd be cool. Yep. That is, that is, we haven't, we haven't settled on a team name. He's really set on um, glutes and abs or 30 dirty and flirty or so. I don't, we're figuring it out, <laughs> but that's uh, it's going to be a good highlight video. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, it sounds good. That's sick. Um, so I guess best, best place. All right. Let's pick up from where we left off. Right. So since we last talked, you've been in Europe, done some clinics. Oh, we've talked a tiny bit about that, but give us a bit of an overview what you thought, how was your whole time in Europe? How was the clinic? Oh, man, the fact that that the first podcast and this podcast is a sandwich for everything like Europe and all that is <laughs> it's blowing my mind because that's just a testament to how fast this year is going by. But um, yeah. yeah, so my time in Europe was it was incredible. Um, the first thing I will say is I was gone for an entire month and I came back absolutely exhausted right the way that i stopped playing every day was when the sun went down because there's people like dude can i get next game can i get next game hey let me can i ask you this blah blah blah. i played nine of the first 10 days that i was over there like like not just like playing around like i was playing you know i was like hey i got something to prove to these europeans (laughs) that like i am a good player and i want them to see that skill level and to be fair i mean there's some good talent over there but some of the sets were a little further off so i'm diving and landing on my hip and stuff I was a physical and mental wreck because I wasn't sleeping enough, wasn't eating enough, wasn't training my body. 
and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I'm, I'm recovered now, but oh my Lanta, did I push it while I was over there? Um, but yeah, it was, it was honestly like my day ended when the sun was setting. I'd be like, go down faster, please. Cause I can't say no to playing with this kid from, you know, the Czech Republic while I'm in Spain and all this stuff. But, um, yeah, specifically on the clinic side, I, I get chills still thinking about it. Right. Because I, this, this all started for me on a beach in Southern California, we would drop a set and just try to get people to ask us, Hey, what is that game? Or get eyes and see spike ball, see the name. They go online and try to buy a set or we'd give them like a promo code, all that stuff. So this moment where I'm standing there in Mallorca with people from at least what, 15 different countries, maybe more with 50 people looking at me and wanting to learn from me and what I've done on the sports side in terms of defense specifically was just this full circle moment where I was like, I, I really do get chills still thinking about it and um, feeling like I had something of value to give to people all over the world was just this beautiful moment. And uh, I'm really excited to see the growth from those communities. And yeah, that's, that's like the biggest thing that stands out to me. was just that like, holy crap, this is a, this is a beautiful moment. When you went there, was you one talking about the level and two talking about the community? What was your expectations versus the reality? Yeah, I think what I was most excited for, I know Benny, Benny Bockler. Um, am I saying that right? Bockler? Backler? Yeah, but uh, I say he's, Bachelor he's, and he doesn't like it. Because yeah, I don't. He's not Bachelor. I'm a Bachelor. He's a Bachelor. Um, but um, <laughs> Benny, <laughs> Benny is, first of all, that dude's energy. You can feel it through a podcast, yeah. even if, you know, you might not speak the purest English, but that's <laughs> I think it's fourth language, which is a whole another conversation. Um, the fact that their fourth language is better than my second is that's something for another time. But anyway, that guy's energy is just is something different. Yep. And I've seen videos of him from the past. I was like, all right, cool. I'm excited to kind of square off with him and see how he plays, knowing he was like a European champion. So I was really excited to play with him against him, all that stuff. And he did not disappoint by any means. Him and Nelson, absolute beasts, right? Austria is going to be a force in terms of worlds. Now, do I think they're going to hang and beat the American teams? Not necessarily, but they're definitely a high premier level that could surprise some people. Same with teams from Germany. Um, so there's definitely some talent. But the thing that I explained to people even over there is it's very subtle differences between premier and pro. Right. So I think there's yeah. plenty of premier players over there. But the difference is if you make one setting error, and one hitting error, which might not be that you miss the net or miss the hit. It could be a lip up, which makes it really easy to play defense. And then we convert it. That's two points right there. That's a 21-19 game if the other team plays clean, right? Isn't, Assuming that, everything else is... And that's so like that. such an awesome part of the game still, right? We want to make it somewhat more entertaining with less double fortune and more rallies. But it's so cool that still we're seeing that now that because everyone's become such good servers, the details... And the devil's in the detail. Now these details are really being shown. And it, whereas before we just had, you know, one really good server out of four and they just win the game, you know, single handedly. Yep. Now you've got four good servers on net. So now it does come down to the setting, the hitting. Absolutely. The defense, and all the great. skills, all the skills are there. And something that I wanted to mention too is a bunch of us stayed in all these different villas in Mallorca, right? There was like, I think three or four different villas that all had like, 15 to 20 people which again is why i slept like crap it's a whole another thing but i had a really cool moment where I, you know, we had a, we had a good little buzz on we had some drinks flowing but we sat down on the couch and we cast some of the gameplay up onto um the tv so we were all watching you know me and three other europeans and i was breaking down positioning and things like that but one of the biggest things that stood out is i was like the reason i was able to get into this defensive position and read that so easily is because you set so high they were setting so high above the head and it's so unnecessary. Why give a defender like myself or someone that knows how to position themselves an extra half a second, even a quarter second? That's mm -hmm. the difference between your arm getting there or your body being in position. And I watched the change from that day to the next couple days when we were playing pickup and into the tournament. I saw people setting lower and quicker, putting people out, putting a defender out of the play by setting towards them. So just these little fixes that, you know, they don't think anything of it. They're like, oh, wow, what a great defensive play. I'm like, you gave me that opportunity by setting above the head when everyone was in position. That was an in-system play. And that in my head was also, could also be credited towards like an error, right? They don't see that as an error. That is, they see that as a good defensive play at the highest yeah. level setting too high that I would consider that a an mishap, error. which yep. again is the difference between premier 
and pro. And we're seeing that a lot, honestly, in the in the US too, is when I'm playing tournaments, the premier level, I'm playing a lot of players that like, yeah, the good job they earn premier, but there's definitely another level that's going to need to be created sooner than later because the the difference between lower premier level and the top pro guys is is pretty significant. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. And I think a lot of Europeans will be very interested in that sort of info because that's something that's quite, I think in most environments, like it's hard to see. If you're in that environment and you're seeing this all the time, it's really hard mm -hmm. to just, you know, come in with these new fresh eyes, new perspective and see it and be like, oh, actually you're, you're doing this a lot of, or, and sometimes yeah. you need that. Yeah, you'd like yourself or someone else to come into that environment and be like, you know what? It's quite easy to see that you're all doing this small thing. And this is like a massive thing that you could all improve upon. and you're gaining three, four, five, 10% as individuals just with a small change. Absolutely. And a big thing, I think that's the first time a lot of them have even watched people play on video and break it down and slow it down. I say, hey, look, the difference between it going this much higher, look how many more steps I got. So I, we watched the same play several times. Yeah, maybe someone watches it on stream or they watch a highlight video or something, but they're not picking up on those little nuances. Little nuances. Yeah. yeah, and it's and I think that's important. As we're getting better and people want to improve, I'm just... I see a lot of myself playing because I enjoy making the highlight videos and I see these plays, stuff that doesn't go into the video. So I think it's important for people listening. If you want to get better, watch yourself play. Where are you getting beat? What errors are you making? And you can start breaking it down. And it's getting me honestly excited to like coach down the line. You know, once, once this whole body does, it's like, yeah, once it's finally like, you know what? <laughs> we can hang up the cleats for a little bit. I am excited to coach and break some of those things down and seeing it is, is really fun. So, buddy, I want to ask, because you're a veteran player that's seen just about all of it, and you've played, at, you've played at the highest level, and you won a lot at the highest level. So going out to Europe and seeing kind of this different style of play, was there, mm -hmm. I, I mean, they say the best way to learn is to coach, but you're also playing against players that have different styles. Did you have an opportunity to pick anything up from their game yourself that you're like, oh, that's interesting that they do that this way? Because it's a completely different community, different variety of play style so like was there anything that you picked up you're like ah, oh, that's different yeah that's a, that's a pretty big question because i i would almost argue that different countries have different play styles too like the french guys are super athletic big body on every single play but they also have played a lot with each other so they know how to run that kind of system versus some players are the frederick hinkle way off the net and chasing things down which it's it's interesting because sometimes it makes it easier to hit sometimes it makes it harder because you don't know their tendencies um but one thing i'm trying to think like play style just trying to help them defensively a lot of it is i, I think they get overexcited to body without actually reading the play right and that's something i teach and, and when i'm doing defensive clinics and stuff is you have to anticipate but you can't expect the set to be the same every single time, especially at not the highest level. There's going to be some more room for error. You have to adjust and read. And I think that's something I help them with is like, you don't have to run to the net and just pray. <laughs> you know, you can read it, take a second and then be athletic and shift around. Um, so that's definitely something, something I noticed from them defensively. I, I noticed they were hitting on two quite often because no one was anticipating it. So when I took that away, it like, it kind of shook them. Um, something that stands out is like, playing against Levy in the finals. It was a co-ed thing, so he was trying to take more opportunities. But I was definitely surprised at how often he was going for it, even after we were shutting it down. Um, but I'm trying to circle back to your question because nothing really like specific stands out because there was really good servers. They have Again, they have all the same skills, all the same fundamentals. It's just the little tweaks that I think are going to come together over time as they play better teams and as they square off against specifically American teams that show them, oh, wow, like we thought we were at a certain level. We got some things to work on so this collision of the united states and the european teams that'll happen over the course of worlds you think will kind of close the gap hopefully and allow the european players to see our style of play so that we can all play all collectively at a higher level is what you're saying yeah i definitely think so and again it's it's not that i think they're so far behind i think it's just experience of playing at a higher level and not making those couple buffed sets not hitting right at somebody and being a little bit more patient on the hits, maybe. Um, yeah, it's really just, it's it's fine-tuning at this point, right? Because the top guys in each of those places, even be it like a Yannick from Poland, right? Like he has all the fundamentals, but all of a sudden he'll make a goofy hit error or he'll he'll set something. You're like, oh, that's that's uncharacteristic. It's cleaning those things up. And that's, that's what's going to separate them 
at the top level, in my opinion. So we, we want to loop back and kind of talk more about uh, playing defense in general, because that's kind of uh, that's kind of what you're known for, buddy. But um, sure. one, of, one of the questions I asked for you, and it pertains to actual just defense in general, when you're over in Europe or when you're hosting clinics in general, is there something that you that that stands out that is kind of a regurgitation of information that you're just repetitively trying to drill into people's heads? Is it something that you say so much that you wish you had one of those, you know, that was easy button for, from Staples. <laughs> if we made one of those for you, buddy, what would it say? And as far as defense is concerned, yeah, that's again, that's that's a lot to break down. But the way I kind of teach defense is breaking down each position, right? So the, there's only four defensive positions that you can get in, right? It's serving with your partner on your left, serving with your partner on your right, watching your partner serve from the right, and watching your partner serve from the left. Obviously, there's a ton that can happen in a play and you need to know where to go as a place happening. But a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, even at the top level, we're talking really good players overall that maybe just don't have the defensive foundation. They don't know where they're trying to go before the play starts versus right. I see Clark. I know where Clark is in relation to me. I know this is a right-handed player to my left. So I either have to go around or based on what Clark does, blah, blah, blah. So I try to break down positionally. Hey, this is what I look for from each one. But one that specifically the London crew was like, dude, this changed everything for me defensively is trying to get close to the setter. Not both players, obviously, that would that wouldn't be the case. But let's say uh, how do I how do I break this down? Um, let's say after I serve more often than not, after I serve the set, I'm going to be closer to the setter. So I'm working towards the setter and the closer I am to the setter, I can see if the ball crosses my face, in which case I go opposite of it. Right. So if I'm again, it's hard to do like through a podcast, right? Let's say the setters to my left, the set's kind of in front of me to the right. If that set crosses my face, I'm trying to jump in front of the setter and get opposite that ball and get a big body on it. If it does not cross my face, this is right off the hand, right? It's going to happen quickly. If it does not cross my face, I'm putting my foot in the ground and I'm working opposite away from it the other way, knowing the set, the hitter is going to rotate. And again, trying to get a body in the way, or if I see the set is off, scooting back a little bit. Again, I know that's really tough without a visual, but mm -hmm. get close to the setter and watch where the ball leaves the hand. Is it crossing you? No. Then go the other way. If it's not crossing you, then you're going to go opposite of it. I think one of the, the, the value points that you can kind of pick up from that is a lot of people don't think I need to watch the set come off the hand even. So, I mean, mm -hmm. even that just little bit of value there is going to be a game changer for a lot of people. I don't think right. everyone, everyone uh, at least not consciously, decides that they're going to watch how the ball is coming off the set. But Scott, you want to say something? Well, yeah, no, we, uh, we talked a little bit slightly about that with Clark when we were talking about underrated skills. Yep. I mean, we talked a lot about these and it's, it's again, it's like until you're aware of these small details or skills, it's hard to ever become aware of them. A little bit like you when you said to the European community, like, hey, you're all staying quite high. It's like until you've actually like been told or you're aware of it, it's hard to be or become aware of it. But now once you tell someone like, hey, watch the set off the hand, if it doesn't go across your body, across your face, then you need to go and you need to get round. If it does go across your body and across your face, then you'll get an into the body block or, you know, you're having to go opposite the hit um but it's like some people won't really you know most people are just reading the set or reading the hitter as in okay he said it oh he's got that much uh, angle of the net now i'm running and now it's too late unless the set's really high like you mentioned earlier but it's like the question i have which i think in my opinion is pretty interesting right because you started before the serval era came in regards to you played you know seven eight nine years ago where you wasn't really there wasn't many aces on serves it was mainly you know defensive touches and rallies because you got all those repetitions before the game and the sport became what it is now especially if you look at someone who comes into the sport now they're definitely not going to value defense as much as people who played mm. seven eight nine years ago do you think that's one of the main reasons why you're so you know defensively as good as you are absolutely but i also want to be i want to be you know I, I think that the people coming into this sport are starting to see more of the defensive athletic players on the stream and they're getting deeper into the tournaments, which I think is super important because b before when it was the serve ballers that were running things and you have Ryder Riva as the number one player doing lefty cuts and all that, not to say, listen, this isn't to talk about rankings, but 
you're more likely to start seeing the defensive players become higher and higher up into the rankings because they are the ones going deeper into tournaments. They're creating more opportunities. They're not double faulting as much and they trust themselves to make a play and be dynamic on film, which I think is the direction we want this sport to go, right? It is without question more fun to watch Max Modell dive and then slide through and get the hit back on than it is for to see Gabe hit a reverse cut, which we love seeing. It's cool to see, but it's not as exciting. There's got to be a balance there. But uh, to answer your question, absolutely. Playing back in the day is a huge advantage. And all the hours that I've put in and watching the game develop, I was never trying to ace people when we first started the game. I was there for the rallies. I was there for the continuous play. And every time the ball hits the net, your heart increases and you know we're hitting it really, really poorly. We're hitting it straight down. We're hitting pockets and we're, but we're diving and we're setting. We're just, I don't know, that childlike fun. But as it develops, right? And you're like, oh, wait, if I let this get a little bit lower and I hit it and then all of a sudden it hits off your body, but it goes up and you're like, is, is that legal? Like, what are we doing? Or it hits you in the face. And you know, that's where it got really exciting. You see a kid use a foot and we look up the rules and it says, yeah, you can use any part of your body. Like that's what kept me playing, kept me me coming back and then as the sport developed we reached a point actually where it was who are the best hitters right and that's when i stopped playing i was like dude i'm literally i think i've mentioned this before i'm literally playing an entire day's worth of, of round net i'm playing in these tournaments and i'm getting four defensive conversions all day not because i was bad at defending which i knew i was still athletic and decent at defending but when there was no no hit zone and you're two people covering 360 degrees and they're hitting it that low Oh, I was like, all right, this isn't as fun to me. The people that enjoyed playing the most were the Chris Hornacek's that could just hit the ball a mile and hard. The people that were hitting flicks and all this stuff where it's like, how am I supposed to defend when your arms are that long? You're leaning over the net and you're hitting it any direction you want last second. Like that, that was not fun. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been really, really interesting to see the development over time to the point it is now where there has to be a no hit zone to accommodate for some sort of defense. And I think, I think it's been a beautiful transition beautiful change and definitely the hours of experience that i put in has made it more and more possible to keep playing at a high level defensively mm -hmm. so so for me it seems like there's i mean at least the last couple of streams that i've watched there seems to be an upwards trend as far as defense and serve receiver concern i think that yep. people are stopping serving pressure a lot more easily recently um not to say that it's not that it's an easy feat at all just to say that it looks like people are picking up serves that they otherwise wouldn't would have would not have uh last year um in your mind, buddy, do you think that the, the players that we're seeing play at the top level, like, I mean, you mentioned Modell, uh, that have this defensive prowess about them. Do you think that they're kind of setting a new precedent for the sport and pushing the envelope? I, I guess, how far do you think we can push the envelope to? And, and my, my real question is, with what level of certainty do you think defensive touches off the first possession uh, should be expected moving forward. Like uh, when you when you serve the ball, how likely, how high is the likelihood that you think that you're going to get the ball up, you and your partner? Thinking and doing, I'd, I'd say that's no, th Thinking is my question. In what my level head, of certainty in your mentality, do you think? Yeah, there's one position where I think 100 of the time I am going to get the touch, and Which that's position? when Clark is on my left serving to a right-handed player. Yep. Right, because I trust Clark to get over by the setter. And if I need help on the right hand, he's going to come back. And if he's not going to get in position, he's going to mirror me. Right. And if it's set to a left hand or a backhand, I got to loop behind. And But more often than not, when they set the right hand, I maybe not defensive conversion, but I'm sitting there 100% going, I'm going to touch this ball. This ball is not getting past me. There's no shot I'm letting this ball past me. Um, and that's my favorite position to defend from. So again, it depends on which of those four positions am I in. More often than not, I, my brain, I'm thinking I'm going to touch this ball because I know about where I want to go. Sometimes they make a perfect set and they hit it right away from you to go, cool, good play. That's the sport. That's, that is the reality of the sport. But going into the play, if you're thinking, ah, I'm probably not going to touch this ball, you're not giving yourself a good chance. Now, the realistic side, which I'm honest with all of my you know clients in the training program, people that I'm playing with is if it, it more often than not, it's going to nick off you and go away, or it's going to go right in between your arm and your leg. It's going to go right over your shoulder. And you're going to be like, I didn't dang it. Like I definitely <laughs> thought I was getting that one. I'm getting the next one. But in my brain, I'm thinking 100% I'm getting this ball up. In reality, <laughs> below 50% that I I'd say below 50% that I get a touch on each play, even lower that I actually get it up, even lower that we convert it. So that's I've obviously a really tough question, but I'd have to break down one specific game. So, well, I want to ask 
in that specific orientation. So we have you. So so we have Buddy is playing the tracker position. There's a setter to mm-hmm. serving Clark's left. And yep. what specific actions in your game? What a- athletic abilities do you have that makes you so certain? So is it is it your ability to jump and hit a ball when it's high? Or is it your ability to run down a right-handed ball? Or is it that Clark can take up so much of the front of the net? Is it a combination mm. of all those things? Or The biggest thing I th- that I think is the ability to read and react, read right? And react. I am anticipating the setter to set the right hand mm-hmm. in some capacity. Now, that might be that might mean that it's set the right hand, but not directly or not perfectly from where the hitter is. It might make the hitter move, but I'm just going to move with the hitter, right? So if the hitter has to move towards the setter, I'm not going to go the opposite way. I'm going to stay on that dude's hip. I'm going to rotate around. If it pushes towards me to a certain extent, I'm going to shuffle left. But if it moves me too much, I get out of the way. Clark fills in and I get on the other side, yep. even if it's a right hand, right? Yep. And I think that's where some people get it wrong is they think they have to stay in the same spot no matter what but it's reacting to the set and the hitter's position in a sp- very split second instance. Um, and again, I have preferences as to where I play defense from. There's moments where I'm like, I ah, really, this used to be my favorite spot because no one would see me wrap around. And now, now they know how to, do, how to hit against that. Um, and now it's more so the, and that breakdown is me having Clark on my right, serving to a right-handed player, right? basically they want to hit it to where no one is no one's defending that 180 degrees so lately we've had clark or myself after serving serve shoot towards the setter watch this behind and sprint and go get it um but yeah sorry i'll go on tangents because i just see so many plays <laughs> happening in my head um but yeah i for me i just there are certain positions that i like better than others and i, I feel more confident in i guess i'll have to throw in some diagrams <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, oh man dude. But, but like bringing this back a little because like well, look, we're speaking at a level that is probably you know very in depth for a lot of people who hasn't spoken uh, or talked about defense so let's break it down or let's break it back or pull it back and say look buddy if break it down <laughs> sorry I had, to, wanting, I had to do that somebody's wanting to you know focus more on their defense what's the first bit of advice like when you go to the clinic what's like the first thing you say to people because Look, let's be honest. I think a lot of people go to pick up and they don't have even a plan about defense. So how are you meant yeah. to get better if you don't even have a plan? At least if you have a plan, well, then you know when, what went wrong. And then if you know what went wrong, now you can start improving. Otherwise, people are just going, oh, hitting's too overpowered. Defense is never going to get there. Game mm-hmm. over. But at least have a plan and then you yeah. know what went wrong. And what, what, what do you say to people You know, when you're first sort of <laughs> teaching or talking about defense? Well, I definitely, I just, I want to be fair. Like I reached that point in 20, I don't know, 18, 2019, where I was like, hitting's overpowered. And it literally was. That's why we saw the change we've seen. It was overpowered. Setting was too good. You set the middle of a net and defense was damn near impossible, plain and simple. Um, And so I, I know it sounds redundant, but to answer your question, the first thing I want to teach them is understanding each position defensively. Right. So I, I go to a clinic. I say, all right, we're going to start with the, my favorite spot to play defense. And here's what I look for. Here's how I recommend playing it. And I always tell them, this is not the only way to play defense. If you're the weaker defender, maybe you get the heck out of the way and you let this person fill that position and do what I'm explaining. There's a lot of different ways to go about this, but I'm trying to make you a confident defender. And here's how we're going to start. Right. So from this position, this is what I'm looking for from the serve, receive the set and then positioning myself based on the hitter. So more often than not, when I can break down, here's how I position my body. Here's how I shift. Here's how I get create this wall and give them more to hit into and take more space away. That translates to the other positions, but it's about getting yourself into that spot from the other starting positions. Does that make sense? So ideally, I, lo- I love being on the left hip of the hitter when it's a right-handed player, opposite for a lefty, of course. So more often than not, when I can get into that position, I have more vision because they're not blocking the set to my eyes, right? I can read their body position. I see where they're leaning. I see where they're dropping, and I can adjust from there. So again, it's a big question without video, but it's really showing them body positioning and, and um, distance distance from the hitter based on how far the set is off the net based on where they're leaning, where their set is going, all of that stuff. So it is a lot to break down. Um, 
And that said, uh, this isn't me trying to always <laughs> plug my stuff, but I recently invested into creating online courses, right? It's something I've wanted to do with my health and fitness business for, you know, showing people how to meal prep or exercise and things like that. I specifically got it because I want to learn how to create an online course that's going to teach people how to play defense. Because it's not realistic that everyone's going to get to show up and do a clinic with me, which is my dream. That's awesome. But if I can have videos that break down this position and break down a clip that shows how I defend from that position, okay, hey, now we're going on to phase two, similar to what you're doing with your cut serving and showing it step by step and showing different scenarios. And I can take videos and examples from a Dan Abrams. I can take videos and examples from Orion Fitzgerald, a Jarrett Rouse, all these guys that do it so well, mm -hmm. and you don't understand how they're creating these touches. Let's break yep. it down, right? Let's yep. see the game the way they see it with the experience of someone that understands why they're going the way they are. Right. So that's, that's something that I'm working on right now. I'm on day like five of 30. So bear with me because it's not going to only take me 30 days. I just, you know, my brain, Scott, it's all over the place. I'm doing hundred different projects at a time, but I'm really excited about, you know, creating that. And I know Gavin, I, I want to be respectful because you've done, and you did an amazing job breaking it down, but I want to show, Hey, you are the human in this position. Here is what your eyes and your body should be expecting. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully give that resource to people and give them a better understanding as to how to play defense. You know, and that's such a, that's such a cool perspective to look at it from that I hadn't really even thought about. I mean, um, making, making the defensive strategy video that I made for Revise, I was like, okay, how can we get two players to think and be yep. in the same position and have an agreement upon where they're, where they're wanting to be and how that's, how that's going to unfold after the serve happens. But the way that you're approaching it is to say, Hey, I want to take you. You're 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 the player that's going to be in this position. What are you anticipating? How is this yep. hitter likely to hit? And you know, it's funny because I came, I come from a volleyball background. If you play back row, left back, right, you're going to have different footwork. You're going to look at a different hitter in a different way, mm -hmm. and it's because you're in a different position on the court. To break it down that way seems a little bit more intuitive. And I really like the way that you're approaching it with the the course and course and everything. I'm excited yeah. for that to and, come out. Well, I loved I loved the way you broke it down as from a team aspect you showed schemes and things like that but how often does a scheme work perfectly right things are going to be out of system you have to be you have to trust yourself as a single defender to create a touch for your partner and then if your partner is creating that same experience for themselves you're much more likely to create some defensive plays right and then if they know oh hey he's in the position this is what i do from there and we're doing it the same way now i know what to do from this position you're going to feed off each other. And I'm not, this isn't me trying to create everyone playing defense the exact same way. But if you don't have a fundamental mm -hmm. understanding as to where you need to be or where you should be from the defensive standpoint, you can almost guarantee your percentage of 50% touching the ball is going to drop drastically. Right. Yep. So if we can just increase that a little bit, and that's something I'm going to mention in the training is like, do not. This doesn't mean all of a sudden you take this course and now you're touching every single ball, but I want you to get beat beat by less over time. Now you can change. Are you getting beat to your right over and over and over? Start in that same position. Last second, go to your right. Oh, now it nicked you. Okay. Now you got to go a little further and rotate your body. Okay. It went down, lean back a little bit. It's slow, incremental progress that people it's, you know, it's frustrating when the ball's just flying past you or it's not even really feeling realistic. I want to make defense feel realistic and exciting because that is again, the most fun part of the game. And I will never, I will never change my opinion on that. Mm -hmm. I think a couple of thoughts on all of that is um, the first thing being, isn't it such a joy when we can take certain skills and break them down into such fine detail? Because again, look, this is a young sport and we all think, you know, it's just four players around the net playing and you boop it on. And now it's grown and now it's been competitive and people look at us and they're like, uh, like what are these people playing this backyard game competitively like, at the end of the day like we got to remember right we are the one percent of a one percent you know round mm -hmm. it is a one percent tiny little niche sport and of that sport the competitive scene is the one percent look now we're trying to get this sport than a more one percent and we're therefore trying to get the competitive scene more than this one percent but isn't it so amazing to be part of the stage and i mean we talked about it before buddy but being you know part of the stage of the sport where we're breaking down these skills in such detail because there really is such detail you can break down defense and talk about it so long uh preston we had on the other day like we could talk about hitting for so long people you know yep. see a hcr video and be like yep that's how i hit now well, no you can break it down for so much we talked with clark for over two hours about underrated skills <laughs> and we, we, we wasn't even finished like there really is detail in in the in these skills it's just 
you know, we have we haven't don't have these years of experience where we totally understand all these, you know, all the details and how deep these these skills really are. Mostly because yeah, we haven't had seen a lot of them because you know serving overtook the game for such a long time where people didn't want to dig that deep into you know the the fundamentals and principles that you're talking about defense and setting. Yeah. And well, and that's why I get that's why I get those chills when I'm standing there in front of 50 European yeah. players because I know it's still so small. It's still such a, a one-off sport that like a lot of people don't know or understand or see the competitive side of, but the people that do are all in. They want to learn, they want to get better, they want to have more fun playing it, and they're driven to be the best in their countries, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really fun. That's only going to create more opportunity for, you know, viewership, sponsorship, um legitimizing what it is we're doing and the fact that it's i don't know it, again it, it just blows my mind that it's already where it is but also feel like it has so much room to grow and i think we all share like that similar thought and you know talking mm-hmm. about sponsorship and viewership i think this would be a decent time to talk about a couple of things right i'm just gonna throw a couple of things out there right and both of you can throw out your opinions right one the rally ball uh two post-produced round next we talked a bit about it i don't know how yep. what your background is in uh, other sports uh, in other sports buddy but when we're talking about you know i don't know if you're a big disco fan or fan of jomez but maybe we should yeah. talk about it a bit before but round that can create that sort of storyline based post-produced content it would do a huge amount for the sport the rally ball you know hopefully decreasing double faults increasing the plays we want to see what's your thoughts on those two topics i know we've talked a little about film review yeah. and stuff and i know you've talked about film review and stuff and you know, that's still a percentage point or something we can improve upon. But I feel like, you know, the two bigger things right now is probably post-produced and increasing rallies in the sport. What's your thoughts? Well, here's here's what's cool. So we're on a round net podcast right now. This is not a spike ball podcast by any means. And this isn't meant to come on here and just bash the company or anything. But I have definitely felt as of late that the tournament scene is... You know, we, I love seeing the stream. It's getting really well produced, but the overall energy at them, I'm like, wait, we're at a major event in San Fran. It just felt kind of like mellow, right? My first hard match was in the round of eight, right? So I played these three pool play series. I played the round of 16. I was like, all right, it was cool. It wasn't until the round of eight on Saturday that I was like locked in and focused. And that's for me, I go and travel to these competitions because I want to play the best guys and create the most high quality content. I'm not getting a lot of that when I'm playing people that are slightly lower premiere. Um, so in terms of creating a better viewership experience that has more to it, I would love to take four guys or me and three other guys, maybe eight total and do a smaller, but more focused on, Hey, this is their background. Here's some of their highlight plays, give you a background story about them that gives you someone to root for kind of similar to like they do on ESPN, but uh, this, and again, this isn't meant to hate on ESPN or spike ball. I think we can be doing a lot better job of it. We can cut out a lot of the stuff in between and say, Hey, not much action happened here, but we're going to pick up at 20, 20 to 19. You know, I, I don't know. And that's, so and that- I, I want to do the post-produce thing. I just to add on that quickly and you can continue. I was just saying on the yeah. fact that again, and to emphasize this, we attract so many incredible personalities in this sport. I don't feel we're making the most out of them. Like if there's no. one sport that really does friggin' attract amazing people and interesting characters, you just named Benny, you know, who didn't really know of him. Then you met him yep. such a cool character. Like there are so many, if any sport, if I know of any sport, just incredible, different, unique characters, yeah. it's around there, but we're not really, promoting those characters we're just promoting a, a sick rally but there will always be sick rallies yeah um, and and to tie it to tie it back to why i brought up spike ball as like a company in those tournaments and stuff i'm i can feel myself i'm excited to keep playing this year and stuff and do team usa and nationals and all that like that's always you know the big events sure i'm gonna be stoked on but you know traveling and paying hundreds of dollars to go win or get second or podium or even, you know, just making semis or whatever, and I'm still in the red or barely in the green, there's not a lot of incentive for that, right? So yeah, we've done a good job getting sponsors and things like that. But if I'm going to invest as much time and energy as I'm going into it, I would rather put it into the post-production side and hopefully start to build something like a Jomez Pro where, all right, hey, we're hosting it in Southern California. The players have to fly out, sure, but I can host them for free. We can do a best of seven. Like No one's seen best of seven with four great defenders on the net. We've never done that. 
you know, and then we can give them the background story in between games. Hey, here's here's a little bit about Jarrett Rouse, you know, make them real humans. People want to see the human side of it. And then you appreciate what they're doing as athletes as well. And that's again, you bring up, you know, Joe Mez pro and post-production and stuff. Ryder and Preston did one through how to round net for the Kentucky cash out. Mm -hmm. And it was cool. I definitely they did an amazing job with it. But here's my issue with it. There was too many teams, too many players to follow. Even as someone that knew everyone there, I was like, this is overwhelming. I was in this tournament and I'm still like kind of lost. And it's a lot of bang, 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 bang versus here's two teams that are battling it out. Here's their backgrounds or here's four teams that you can keep track of. And it's a half hour episode that you're really invested in. Right. I don't know what that looks like in terms of monetizing it down the road. Is it through selling merch? Is it getting sponsors and helping people fly out there? It's going to start slow, but I think there's a ton, a ton of potential. I think people should be doing this all over. You got a bunch of guys in Chicago that are dope. Cool. Get them together, make this video. Um, you know, over time, hopefully it expands, but I don't know if the spike ball tournament scene from what we've seen in the last decade, prize money has stayed stagnant, maybe gone up a little bit, but that doesn't feel like it's the answer in terms of getting a lot of people to watch. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that the human, the human mind just remembers stories so easily. And that's just a huge, uh, uh, huge thing about this is that if we can curate storylines that people can, can remember and they can follow well enough that they feel like they're a part of it. I mean, if you've watched American Idol once, you've probably cried mm -hmm. once at least. Like if you've watched Extreme Home Makeover and you haven't cried, oh. then you're not a man <laughs> nor a woman. You're something else. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, I, I just think I think if we if we even if it started out as a parody and we and we came in and said this is Buddy Buddy Hammond, he's from California, and and then like had had b-roll of you just hitting balls inside of a, an apartment or something like that you yeah. it, it literally doesn't have to be here's his family and this is what he does for a living and all of this like we don't have to put all those clips in there until later on but i think if if we start off with something built a storyline around people to the point where someone could follow it and, and out, an outsider could feel like they connected with that person i feel like we could really build something a lot bigger than just here's the tournament here's what happened done that's and what they I have do to, with Canada I have to Pay. leave on that because I, I got I to gotta dip, guys. I'm sorry. I got to go to the beach. My, my family. Did Ooh, the and enjoy the beach. I'm, no, I'm, I, I'm sitting up here sweating, being like, the I, beach I'm, sounds dude, I'm sweating noise. too. All right. Yeah. Enjoy, dude. All right. See you guys. buddy. <laughs> Ooh, they, did, they, they don't know what they just did. They left the podcast in our hands. Man, it's going to get out of hand fast. <laughs> All right. What do we want to talk about? Let's just talk shit about oh, Gavin and Mike for the rest. Dude, let's do it. I think they're both. Well, you're so your your uh, internet connection crapped out. I was like, ooh, is this Scott's way of of getting out of the podcast? Is he fading uh, out of the scene? Because uh, <laughs> we're hitting on Mike, but um, but no, man, I I really do think that there's a going to be a lot of value in how we do that moving forward. Um, because think about it, you're big on the social media um, and understanding. If we just take, because I see this with like GM Golf with Bob does sports. They're getting hundreds of thousands of views on their YouTube channel because they're posting reels that are 30 seconds from a full episode. It makes you want to watch the whole thing. It's like, oh, crap. Did that go in? Did it not? Wow. He had a birdie. What else can they do? We need to create that through social media where we show a reel of a top play. We show the score. People are like, whoa, what? Hey, click the link in the bio to watch the full video. And we do a few of those. We do five of those videos per YouTube video. Yep. And that. But, but there's the thing, we could do that right now with the full videos, but the problem is when we release a full video of a final in Texas, California, wherever, right? It's so much dead time. Like we talked a little bit about it on the so podcast last much. week. It's like, it's a 50 minute long. It went to three series or two <laughs> series. Let's say two series, 50, 40 minutes long. The only, the amount of action you watch is like eight minutes. If you're lucky, it's like, again, this is again, why we brought it up last week, Carl Young who's doing the post-produced on his YouTube channel. He basically breaks down the final, cuts out with a dead time, getting thousands of views because people just want to watch what they want to watch. Now, if that yep. doesn't emphasize how there's such a massive market for a post-produced round net tournament uh, recap or post-produced you know, tournament where you could, okay, every Spyball Challenger, we're going to do this sort of video, just like uh, HTR did with uh, the Kentucky cash out. Mm -hmm. I mean, Yes, there was a lot of teams there, but I, it was still good to sort of get a decent overview of everyone there. And they did like the special feature on Caleb, um, Caleb Heck. And that was really cool, really nice, like individual storyline based follow. Um, I think they might have even done one for Kevin, if I'm not mistaken, as well. I do. I do think so. Um, so they had like sort of two people. So well, imagine if uh, at 
that we did that we're now like what 10 challenges in 11 12 challenges in imagine if we had one of them what we done with you and clock another one we did uh twins another one we did uh katie and ali another one we did uh mm-hmm. you know switch here another one we did uh rider well, here's what and here's why i get excited about this too it doesn't only have to be the spike ball tournament rules we could do a racket spike one and people would eat it yeah. up and it would get them excited for the competitive side of it. We could do a four on four video where it's like, all right, which team are you rooting for? Yeah. Are you rooting for the Texas guys or the California guys? Are you like, that's going to be so much fun. Like I, I get pumped thinking about this. I'm like, all right, how do I navigate that with, you know, we're middle of the season right now, but my mentality for next year right now is kind of like, yeah, I want to hit some of the main events, but I'd rather just get four or eight of the top dudes together right and create this type of content and see how it goes it's going to be a lot of time invested but the potential behind it i don't know man i i get really excited like i agree i don't watch bob does sports because i think they're amazing golfers i watch because the the funny nature between bob and joey and or giuseppe as he called they're just they're comedy they're they feed off each other so well that you want to root for them in whatever it is they're competing for you know what i mean that's what i want to create in the in the community because there's there is so many personalities right do you want to root for the guy that that has the english accent or do you want to root for the guy that's getting old and on his way out do you want to root for the kid that's never beaten this guy but this would be such a good moment for you know yeah that's we need those storylines and we have those storylines we just right now we don't have them in a rounded form we just have (laughs) and we just have 50 minute matches there's nothing in between i mean look how well the kentucky kentucky cash out video did in regards to views look how well yep. paul young's videos does and he's just post-producing he's not even doing a full tournament recap or even doing storylines he's just doing right. the good moments of the game and i think mm-hmm. i've actually spoke to like a few people about this idea just you know brainstorm see like how it goes after our last podcast and people have come out and been like yeah you know it's so much but it's gonna be a lot of time and yeah it'll be a lot of time and effort i'm like Anything you do is time vested. Like we can't just yep. expect an instant return. When Jomez and I always again link to Jomez just because I'm a yeah, big yeah. disc golf fan, and it's a, such a great example because disc golf is like ten years, twenty years ahead of where round it is in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And Jomez Pro, they started, they no money at all, absolutely no money. They just started and was like, and now they absolutely own the market because there's no one else doing it as good as them because they yep. have the experience for doing it for several years. They have the name, the brand. Now they own the market, and I'm not. And look, if the ground is only going to exponentially grow over the next five, 10 years. If somebody wanted to do this and come in, yes, it's a lot of time invested and effort, but right. you, you're going to get better at it over time. And there's, there's yeah. options, right? You can hire someone to clip all your stuff for you. Once they know what you're looking for, yeah. Hey, this is the video we're created. I need you to clip it kind of the same way. And then I'll put it together or maybe have someone else put it together. Yeah. There's a lot of ways that you could save your time and create, you know, do something outside of that to, you know, make money in the meantime, but over time they overlap. And then you go, okay, the more time I put into this, the more money it is creating because I'm getting more views and whatever that might be. And not that it always has to come back to money, right? Like, yeah, money's important. We need it to (laughs) sustain. But if you are like, I get excited thinking about, dude, I'm going to have Dan Abrams in town. Jared's going to be here. And then Clark also, I'm going to play a best of seven with all three of them over the course of two or three days. I'm going to have three dope videos to put together. And yep. that's people would be stoked. Yep. And, and HTR, again, they did something similar. Me, Preston, Jarrett, and Skylar. I don't yep. know if you've seen these videos. Absolutely. We got yeah, together yeah, yeah. and yep. we played a slightly less intense version. We were playing a little bit more rally ball. We were trying yep. to make it for the viewers. They never even ended up making the third video because it just took them so long. And they kind of, they weren't getting as many views, but it was a cool experience. It was, it was a good start. And I have a good understanding as to how they did that. And I want to, I don't know, recreate that with more of a storyline and more defensive players and playing a hundred percent. And I think there's something to be said, like people obviously love watching when they know there's something on the line, like, Oh my God, it's nationals. And they're playing for $4,000 or whatever it is, or, Oh, the cornhole champions on, on or cornhole championship is on TV. I would never sit down and watch cornhole, but when I know it's the best people and they're playing for, I don't know, a hundred thousand bucks or whatever. I'm like, Oh, come on. Um, And so that's, I think part of my fear is like some of these videos, it's like, they're not really playing for anything, but then my mind's also like, what are the GM golf guys playing for? If not just to get better and get good content, why can't yeah. we do that? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I totally agree. And it's funny because like a couple of things, right? This is like me just rambling just because I've like had these thoughts over the last couple of days, but it's like, 
one scott this is this is round net therapy right here this is what we're doing i mean honestly as i've said before like <laughs> these podcasts are just like my therapy session each week it's, and yeah. mike's and gavin's too we've all said it. it's just a podcast <laughs> just a great excuse to chat um no but like on one well, look how far the content has come in this year of round net why couldn't we make another leap in within the next year in the same way like like it's ridiculous so last time we was on the podcast and <clears throat> this isn't um in any way uh i don't know you can take it however you want right and to be in like humble and nicest way but like it's all we've obviously influenced people creating these round net accounts and if you think about the amount of people that have the accounts now and how much content's out there it's like one person needs to another person needs to another person needs to another person and now you have so many round net accounts if everyone one person creates a reel instead of one person having a reel now you have you know hundreds of people creating reels and now you have thousands of eyes on the sport that wouldn't have otherwise been seen and it's like we've all done this in the last six months why can we not take such another massive leap in the next six months or you know within 12 months in post-produced coverage or you know really building something special similar to what mm-hmm. jomez has done um and then also because i've been thinking a lot lately and now i'm just like being very open right because this podcast me mike gavin when we started we're like hey you know there's loads of people that would love to stay informed because there's nowhere to stay informed with what's sort of happening on the round it seems we've got loads of passionate players that love the sport love talking about it love listening about it and we've just got nothing you know bar lefty on two but there's actually covering the sport so people can stay involved in it other than you have to follow all these instagram accounts that we talked about before so it's like there's nothing really linking around it together and you know we've somewhat tried to do that this year and we've had these podcasts and brought on these guests and try to bring these personal and personalities forward on the podcast but it's also just like how long are me mike and gavin going to just continue to sort of do not recaps because we like to think we do more than just recap tournaments, but how long sure. do we keep on doing that? We need something else. We need something bigger to come in and be like, here's everyone who wants to watch it. It shouldn't be down to, you know, three guys in a basement and, uh, you know, in, in their workroom recapping yeah, but all the events. The beautiful thing about it, Scott, is the way that it all evolves and develops, right? You might not make a cent off of doing this, but it's building your brand as someone that loves the sport and understands what's going on. That way, when we bring, you know, you create the next thing and then you come out with a piece of merch, maybe that's how it develops into you making a living from being around that and, you know, um, commentator. Maybe it's just someone that breaks down the footage, but it's important to see like what you're doing and growing and learning from this podcast has been insane, right? It's gotten you connected to a lot of different people in the community. And I think that's beautiful. So I'm excited to see what this develops into, whether it's, you know, just us talking and it's like, Oh wait, that generates a new idea. And you have your, you know, your Instagram account where you're coaching people and stuff now. And there's Patreon. I have an idea of doing like, Hey, this is a defensive Patreon. It's, you know, 10 bucks a month. I'm breaking down, four or four times a month once a week i'm breaking down these three games that were the finals or the semifinals of this event to show you defense and play by play and all that stuff takes me and you know four hours a month if i can get a bunch of people in there that's super worth it you know it's Mm -hmm. it's ideas like that that as we grow and as you mentioned we're getting thousands and thousands of eyes on the sport it's only going to be more people that are interested in what we're doing and wanting to develop their own skills and grow this thing yeah and I, I totally agree on that. It's, it's like what I said wasn't without any regret. It's more like, look, every if you're developing, and I know we have a very similar mindset and thought about this, like as long as you're constantly improving and you're putting in the time and things you're passionate about, all those hours are worth it because you're going to get it back in one Absolutely. way or another through contacts, through friendships, through experiences, you know, and that's such a great you know, thing to have. And I, I always recommend that to people as well. Like you're passionate in something, you know, spend hours doing it then. Um, yep. But it's just um, like just just the thought of like yeah we're having these connections we're having these podcasts and it's funny because so many it'd be strange to think where this podcast or where I would be if I wasn't doing this podcast now because we talked just now like you know ideas lead to ideas and the mm-hmm. amount of ideas that we've had through these conversations through people and other conversations on the podcast it definitely leads in just such a positive way and I think that's why most people should have the attitude of like we're you know we're rising or we're what's it called i don't know what the quote is now it's like we're 
sailing the tide together as the tide rises. Like we're trying to mm. bring everyone up. It's not like, hey, this is really cool. I'm going to do it. It's like, hey, can and we bring everyone up with us? Because you never know yep. when another person who you maybe helped a while ago will be the next person to help you and inspire you with the next idea. Um, yeah. well, and something I admire about you, Gavin and Mike, honestly, you are idea guys for sure, but you also follow through. You take action on doing these things, right? It's one thing to have the idea of a podcast, which I told you, I was like, yo, I really want to do this podcast, interviewing players and this and that. But I think for me, I would more enjoy it in the form of a video and doing the content we're talking about. And I'm realizing that as I'm talking to you now, but you're like, hey, hey, I really want to learn how to get this cut surf. You went step by step. You tracked your progress. And now you're like, I want to help people do that. You found a way to do that. You want to do a podcast. You take the time to actually set up these meetings versus just having an idea and being like, ah, this is going to be cool eventually. And then it's been six months and you've done absolutely nothing to work towards that. Right. So I really do admire that from you guys. Like you have the idea, you follow through and you take the action and you learn from it. Right. So, and I, I owe a lot of credit to you because it's honestly helped me in the health and fitness space too, because I've learned how to create reels, which get a lot of views and get a lot of eyes. And I learned how to do Final Cut Pro and keyframe all that stuff. And that probably wouldn't have happened if it weren't for a, you know, like a Scott Beaks Roundnet account that's doing this. I'm like, I want to learn that. So everything we're doing is affecting people beyond what we recognize. And I got like, like kind words. I appreciate that a lot. And isn't that just like, not, not funny, but interesting because you never know really the effect you have on people. How many times have you like seen a story or seen a reel and you've been like, look, yeah, that's cool. I, I, I like that. You don't really know the thought that went in the person's head when they saw that. Right. They might've been like, that was literally like buddy, like the defensive play like that was literally sick. Like, they might not always comment it. And this actually comes mm -hmm. back to like a thought I had the other day because this is just a side story. But I put a TikTok on my TikTok account. Um, it was me like on the lefty grind and I just posted it. And there was so much hate, like people like, oh, why does he even fake the right? He never hits the right. <laughs> and then I just posted a video back for the fun banter of a TikTok of me just doing righty serves. And then like the hate, oh my God, like, oh, this guy, like, wow, you wouldn't invite him to a party or like, oh, that's the guy with no friends. And I'm like, like, geez, when did like, I know this is TikTok and I know this is 2000. Oh, dude, there's so, there's too many trolls out but there. But it's just like, it's just like, like, how has it come to this space where it's just sort of expected that? Or it's okay where people can just comment like mean things. <laughs> Dude, uh, here's here's the understanding. People are gonna hate because they're they're intimidated by the fact that you're going after something you are passionate about and they're not doing that. Well, you know what I mean? They, they, it's a threat to them. <laughs> and how has that become the norm? How because like imagine uh, if we imagine if we were we're real people, we're sitting in a room, I do something quite cool, right? Let's say I do a backflip, right? And then some people who are sitting down, like, not going to happen, right? But anyway, let's just say, for the sake of this conversation and added, uh, for the sake of this uh, situation, right? I do a backflip. Six other people in the room. Now, two people thought it was cool, but they're not going to applaud. They're just going to be like, they're just going to think that it's cool. But I have mm. no idea that they thought it's cool. They just <laughs> literally just, they just thought it's cool. This, they're not, this is such have, a fun thought. And then I have three people in the room that are just, annoyed they think i'm showing off and they're just like jealous because they can't do a backflip so they like they just like openly say like oh what are you doing man like what are you doing and then you're one person who's just like he doesn't really care just totally passive just doesn't care not wowed anything but somehow it's become the norm where those three people can just be like yeah um and that's fine and uh they can just like be negative and bad and the people who did like it it's just not as expected of them to say they liked it or anything isn't that just strange that I don't know we're in this environment where yeah a negative comment absolutely not not a problem positive comment uh yeah maybe not maybe I'll hold it because it's not as expected or it's not a norm as much of it's a norm as negative comments and just people saying I don't know writing stuff it's just it's so strange well it's it's super common and one of the things that you know, we see all the time is we live in a perception of other people's perceptions of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like we live down this rabbit hole and it sounds super goofy. It's like, wait, that really is true. It's yeah. like, wait, how do I, how am I going to perceive the way they just perceived what I just did? It's this big back and forth. You have to do the things that feel good to you and whoever aligns with it, they align with it. And if they don't screw them, man, honestly, like that's, that's the mentality I have to take. I'm about to put out some really goofy health and fitness content. A lot of people are like, wait, what did he just do? Why is it? This is me, right? I don't want to pretend to be someone for the sake of one other person liking me. Like 
there's so many people in the world that aren't going to like who we are, or what we do, or why we're into hitting a ball off of a stupid net, whatever they want to say. Right. But one thing to take away is I know we often go after the likes and the comments and that like fills our, I don't know, our ego or our, this, it is good to see things get out there, but it's also good to understand that like, there's a lot of times where I'd like, I'm like, Oh, that was sick, but I don't like it. I don't comment on it, but I'm, you know, I'm about it. I'm watching the whole video and I'll show somebody it without really giving the creator any love back. And it's important to remember that, that there's a lot of people seeing it and experiencing it in a way that is positive that you maybe not, you might not receive. And then down the road, you see him at a tournament three months later, dude, I loved your post about blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't even know you saw that. You didn't like it. You have never messaged me in my life. I don't even know who you are, but all of those things do exist. And that's, I don't know. I think that's what motivates me and keeps me going. And at times is there's an impact being made that is not tangible that you cannot see or feel necessarily. And, uh, I think that's yep. what's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, man. I totally agree. Yeah, it's, yeah, I agree. It's a, uh, when it happens, it's lovely. And you just, yeah, you don't just, you can't, can't consciously yeah. be aware of it. Well, and here's, here's a note to everyone out there. If something does resonate with you and it makes you feel good every now and then, feel free to shoot a note. Send Scott a message saying, hey, appreciate you posting yeah, that. Sure. Hey, that was rad. <laughs> and because it, it does make a big difference. Even if it's like someone's like, all the people message me like, hey, man, sorry to annoy you, but I just wanted to say, like, I'm really inspired by what I'm like, how could that be annoying? Like, that's a, like, I'm not, <laughs> I live for that stuff. That's awesome. I don't condemn that because I don't want that. I, 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 not in any way I'm saying that. It's more of the fact that it's like, I have this thought when I'm seeing things on social media that I like. And I'm for some reason like, I really like that. And, but it's not some reason for the social norm to just comment and be like, yo, that was sick. Or I really like that because it's like, no, everyone sees that comment. And now it's like, they're thinking, and it's just like, and, and then, now then we get in this false world of social media where people will just comment for the sake to comment or, you know, comment, uh, you know, something they don't particularly mean. And then it's just like, okay, well, who does mean it? Who doesn't mean it? And look, we could get into like the deep and friggin' deep, deep, deep talk on social <laughs> media because I'm all about it because I think social media is an awful place, but also such an amazing place. But it depends how you use it, man. It That's like anything else. It's a tool. It. And it, I think the way we're, we've, you know, we've grown up and the way it's used by most people is just very strange. And mm -hmm. we, I, we seem to not question it as much as we probably should or could. And I know like, yourself, like, like anything else, you have to you have to be at ease with your intention behind how you're yeah. using it, right? If I'm going after posting things just because I want to sign another client, this and that, that's different than being like, yo, this might actually really help somebody today. This might be the motivation they need to get into the gym. This might be the motivation they need to go practice serving or to actually have somebody just hit balls at them and practice defense, whatever it might be. Like we don't always know, but if that's why we're doing it. If we understand why we're putting something out there and putting the effort into this piece of content, be it a 30 minute highlight video that I spend f way too many hours on. Right. And I look back, I'm like, why did I do that? But then in a couple of months, I'm like, dude, I'm so glad I have this piece of content that yes. captures this whole event. You know what I mean? That's and, and people are commenting, dude, that was so fun. You know, I try to capture my personality and my energy in a video, which is really difficult to do at times, yeah. which is why I want to do more of the, I don't know, interview type of things, but regardless, I'm going down a tangent. It's important to understand why you're using something the way you are, right? Yep. Are you using the gym just to look a certain way? Are you doing it to feel your best? There's, those are two very different avenues. Are you not eating the cake because you're fearful that you're going to get overweight? Or are you not eating the cake because you're punishing yourself? Or is it because there's something bigger? There's, there's so much that goes into it. And again, we're getting far off of the round net topic, but <laughs> that's what happens when I talk to you, Scotty Beaks. <laughs> we were, yeah, change, change topics really down, but like to go back quick to what you said earlier, right? You said when you're, yeah, we also do have to wrap this up because I'm starving and I got plans <laughs> very soon. No, <laughs> since we've been, been here for like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right. Part, so, part three comes in. Last thing, because one, before we do end, I need your opinion on the rally ball. All right. But before mm -hmm. that, to end off, you said on your, like your, um, you know, your main coaching profile, not your roundnet coaching profile, but sorry, not your roundnet right. profile, but your coaching profile, fitness and health. And you yeah. said like you're good, you're gonna post up some uh, reels, some goofy stuff. Just be you. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that's so Im important and it's interesting because again, most people they are afraid to be themselves, and therefore, if you're afraid to be yourself, what do you do then? You look what other people are doing and you mimic them. Well, no one, you're not gonna mimic anyone else. The easiest thing to be on social media is yourself. And I think yep. most people just need to have that trust in, look, if they don't want to follow you, 
then don't follow them. And then eventually yeah. you're just going to build people who do want to follow you. And yeah. then you're going to feel so, so great about it. And well, yeah, you can I, grab ideas from, like I grab ideas from other health and fitness creators and other round net people. And then I, I butterfly it. You know, what I mean, <laughs> I make it my own. It, it's, yep. it's a similar concept, but it's what is my take on that and why, you know, that's yep. what people want to know. Whereas we're individuals. Like maybe the way I see it aligns with you, you and you don't align with it here being heard a different way from someone that's like kind of a douche. <laughs> and may I'm probably the douche to some people out there too. And that's okay. <laughs> but the people that find me tolerable, they're going to follow along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We call those people psychopaths, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, you want to talk rally ball real quick? Let's talk too? rally ball and then end up. I'm about it. I haven't really played much with it. Uh, yeah, I'm about it. Um, I don't know. I, th I think it's going to be a really fun possibility, right? And we need to explore it with the top players. We need to explore it with people that are serve ballers, people that are defensive, people that are new. It's just going to take time and effort. You know, it's another product that Spike Ball would have to create and mass produce and us all have to buy, which doesn't sound like the worst case for them. You know, it's another product and another skew and all that. But um, yeah, I would love to do a video where it's like, hey, I got all the best defensive players that I could. We're going to do a bunch of games with this. We're going to break down the footage. And here's what we think. If you want to get one, here's the link. I get 2% of every sale. <laughs> I don't know. You get an affiliate affiliate link. You know, that's how things can grow too. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like because I haven't played with it much. Okay. You just play with it when you've done your team's Bible thing, right? Right. Correct. Which okay. big, big, big excitement. Um, we're going to be on ESPN in like a week or two. And then another thing down the road, which I don't know if I can talk about. Another ESPN type thing will be happening very nice. soon. Just to tease it for everyone. Nice. We, 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 you always can bring out a couple of teasers. Last time it was... Um, Have to. Last time it was you and Clark on uh, calendars trying to... on uh, What was it called? <laughs> you know exactly what to, I'm talking about. I actually don't. What are you saying? <laughs> well, you remember last time we were talking about I'm not... and stuff. You and Clark doing a calendar oh doing like a, a spike ball calendar? only fans and then doing some sort of calendar oh jeez yeah <laughs> i can honestly say there's been no development on order. that front yeah put in the order oh did you yeah yeah yeah. ordered like 50 was that was that ordered by scotty cheeks he used a <laughs> <laughs> i love it dude um uh, well hey you never know what could develop maybe that's what we get famous for is um posing in pair of thieves i don't know that's why we live life one day at a time see what comes up hop on podcast spitball spike ball around that ideas yep. and uh it seems like the next move is getting some post-produced fun content yeah sounds like it sounds like it could be cool all right should we end out do you want to do the outro Probably. no do we should honest. we should end we should end 30 minutes ago <laughs> do the honors buddy you can all end right. it out you can end it out shout yourself out How, and, uh, however i want okay how, however dangerous. you want if it's really bad i'm editing it out if you've enjoyed this podcast with scott beaks mike white and gavin broke my back broke my back Sorry, this is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Consider giving at Buddy Hammond underscore Roundnet a follow and follow along his journey as he tries to create a sustainable environment in which people get better at the sport defensively and athletically, one day at a time. Um, I don't know why. In a world far away, I don't know how to end this guy. Thank you for listening to that Roundnet podcast. We'll see you in another six months when the world has changed another drastic way. <laughs> <laughs> Love Just that. use that only that last little part. Cut everything else out. <laughs> That's definitely not going to happen. Golly! Oh. I, and if you're listening to this, going, I hate this guy. Yeah, I, I hate myself like that sometimes too. But I also <laughs> love it.